All right, welcome back for another weekly episode of Last Ones at the Bar. We are here to supply you with your weekly dose of boxing talk. My name is William Henry. My name is Daniel Lee. And my name is Lavelle Jackson. This is our first show of the new year. Uh, fellas, I just want to ask you a real quick question. Do you, you have any New Year's resolutions that you set for this year? Uh, for me, I just kind of had some some physical goals. Like I want to, there's a few pounds I want to drop, um, get down to a certain body fat percentage and a few, you know, income-related goals. But other than that, you know, we still are living in crazy times. I just kind of want to work on being at peace. If I, if I could do that, I feel like everything else will fall into place, you know. I will say that my, my New Year's resolutions haven't pretty much changed uh, much from the goals of last year. Um, it's just to take it higher, you know, as far as fitness goes, uh, professional goals, and, and hobby goals. Yeah, that's what's up, man. And then also we had a really nice weekend to kick off and start this year off. Uh, yesterday was a great event. Um, what did you guys think of the Cool Hand Luke versus King Ride, the Fire and Ice main event on Saturday? Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell. Hmm. Uh, I might have to do a take some notes from you, Will, and do one of your things. Uh, I'd separate this from the good and the bad. So the good, and this pertains uh, mostly to, you know, Ryan Garcia. He got the win. He he did it in a definite, definitive fashion. Um, it was a nice body shot. Um, I like the, the grit that he did show. I mean, he showed that he wasn't afraid to sit there and, and bang and fight. You know, showing that he's not just another pretty boy, you know, because, of course, they're trying to make him up to be the next uh, Oscar De La Hoya. And we all know, even though De La Hoya was, you know, the, the model pretty boy, De La Hoya could bang and brawl and, and, and he was tough, you know. Uh, Ryan Garcia, uh, I thought he, he did show some grit in coming back from that uh, second round knockdown. Um, it was a decent fight. Um I thought it was uh, a close fight going through the, the, the entire time. I, um, I didn't think it was much that was separating the two. Uh, Garcia just got pretty much got the, the, the knockout from a, uh, a good body shot with a left hook. Um, now, the bad, um, like I've, all, I've said earlier, Ryan Garcia, to an extent, he gives me uh, Amir Khan vibes. And even though I saw him get up and he, you know, he dusts himself off and he proved that he was tough and all that, but um, he shouldn't have gotten dropped with a shot like that. And, and you could see it coming. And even then it didn't seem like he learned too much from that mistake because uh, Luke Campbell was hitting him with those same uh, left hands, them straight left hands as a southpaw hitting him with the straight, straight left hands. He was hitting them over and over again, the entire fight. Um, and of course, Ryan seemed to, to you know, he had his look of embarrassment on his face, but he dusted himself off. But still, he shouldn't have been dropped by, you know, a fighter like Luke Campbell. Um, if his goal is to be to compete with the, the you know, the Haney's and the uh, Lopez and the Tanks, you know. So, um, 
all in all, I mean, it was a good win. It just it showed me a lot of – it showed me a little more about Ryan Garcia. It's not like I learned a lot to, to be able to place him. But right now, he just didn't look – you know, he, didn't, he looked flat. He looked like he didn't have that quickness and explosiveness. And in actuality, he looked um, just as fast as the uh, – you know, another fight that we watch uh, – you know, the Alvarado versus Gutierrez. He looked just as fast as they were. You know, he didn't look special. So, you know, but still a good win. The Ryan Var- Garcia versus Luke Camel fight. What I saw in that fight, well, just a quick breakdown. Danny, you did a really good job on Twitter once again with that, your analysis and round-by-round round breakdown. So I want to get off into each round. You know, um, what I looked at it is that Ryan got caught in the third round, got up took back control, and then he knocked out a fighter that has never been knocked out before. You know, he hit him with that liver shot, and basically it was I consider it an anatomy a shot because of the fact that when you fight in a left-hander and you are righty, that liver is always going to be on the right side of the body, and it was a perfectly placed punch, and he got him out of there. So some of the things that Ryan needs to grow, I don't look at it as a bad situation for Ryan because he really hasn't faced any you know, top quality opponents, you know, um, none of the younger guys really have with the exception of Tiafimo. And so I thought it was a good win and certain things that you just have to learn, you know, on the job. A lot of times nowadays, you're not going to get guys who are fighting young fighters who fighting at that level. It's they don't really put themselves in a situation where they really are being groomed. And I don't think you're getting that not only in boxing, I just think that that's a general practice now a days in all areas of entertainment. If you look at music, a lot of times people just get popular off of YouTube or social media. It's like no artist development. You know, it's like, voila, now I'm here. You know, now I'm learning as I am this star. And I think that that's what the place that Ryan Garcia is in. I think fighters like Tang Davis is in the same situation. Um, but certain things that he still needs to grow on and um, one thing I noticed in particular, a couple of things I noticed in particular is that Ryan doesn't move his head and he fights flat footed. Technically, he wasn't getting his lead foot outside of Luke's lead foot. And that's typically what you want to do when an orthodox fighter is fighting a southpaw. And he was just gunning. He wasn't even thinking about that. And that would spell trouble for somebody else who could take advantage. Luke took advantage of it a couple of times. And that's the reason why he got dropped. But the grows that I got out of it or glows is that the young man is a warrior. He's a mean fighter. You know, he wants to finish you very fast hands. And then he didn't appear to be getting tired in that fight. Actually, he was he getting this. He never really got tired, but he was even picking it up even more um, as the fight kept developing. He has dynamite in both hands, especially that left, you know, it stars growing. And really, to be honest with you, Ryan is it's hard for to not root again a root for Ryan Garcia because he's a charming young man. You know, he says the right things, and with his popularity, he's bringing more attention to the sport. But it's in the right way. It's not like Jones and Tyson or Duran coming back to fight Leonard. You know, it's too it's young gun. It's a young gun who's actually bringing attention to the sport. And most importantly, the reason why I was rooting for him yesterday is I can tell that he wants to fight the best competition. 
because you can tell in his heart that he feels like he's special. And I think I heard him say that as well. And so with that, you know, inner belief in himself, he really wants to prove it. And that's kind of like how Oscar De La Hoya used to be. He, he would fight people. He was like, he's going to fight him. He's going to fight Ike Corte. He's already going to fight Felix Trinidad. He's, he's going to fight Bernard Hopkins. And so that's the reason why I was rooting for him. But, you know, it was another test, and I think that he passed uh, with flying colors. Yeah, I definitely agree with your sort of specific criticisms, Will. Um, as you indicated, I, I was doing kind of a round-by-round round on Twitter, and um, I actually had it even at the time of the stoppage. Um, I thought Garcia established ring generalship early, um, and then, he, like you said, he had dynamite in both hands. And so uh, his punches just kind of give you more of a, of a thud, and it has a crowd going. And But I didn't see where he was landing as much as the announcers and the crowd response let off. Um, I feel like in those middle rounds, uh, I, I felt like um, in the third round, Garcia bounced back after the knockdown pretty well. But in those kind of those later rounds, Campbell showed composure. He was patient. He was active. Um, that said, Garcia showed a lot of composure as well, and and he would just he was smart making the the early deposit to the body. Um, according to the copper box numbers, he had landed 94 out of 293, and out of the 94 that he landed, 34 percent of the punches he landed were body shots versus uh, the 14.14 percent that he had landed in the previous five fights. And as you can see, um, you know, the body shot paid it off. And it was a beautiful feint because it looked like it was about to be a hook. And so at the time where Campbell got knocked out, his hands were up. Both of his hands were up. And he just caught him clean in the liver. And so, um, you know, he definitely had something to grow off of. And when he got caught, his right hand was down. That's a learning experience for him. And so, you know, much respect to both fighters. That said, he had... He was very specific in who he wants to, to face next time around. He wants to face Javante Davis. Uh, how do you guys see that going, assuming that works out? Oof. A Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia matchup. You're talking about something. You're talking about an intriguing matchup. That is an intriguing matchup right now. So you have Tank Davis, 26 years old, 24 Oh, with 23 knockouts. That's a 95%, almost a 96% KO ratio. He's 5'5", five, five, a southpaw, 67-inch reach. You have King Ryan Garcia, who's 21 years old, 20-0, and now with 18 KOs. He has an 85% KO ratio. He's 5'10", and he fights out of the orthodox stance. Tank's biggest victories are against Jose Pedraza. That's when he won an IBF strap. He also TKO Francisco Fonseca in the eighth round. That's a fight fighter that Ryan Garcia also faced in which he KO Fonseca in the first round and last year what was known as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Gamboa has victories over, I mean, uh, Tank has victories over uh, Gamboa, a handicapped Gamboa, I would say, and Leo Santa Cruz. And 
Ryan's biggest victory was yesterday against Luke Campbell. Tank has devastating power, especially in that left hand. Ryan is an excellent counterpuncher, superb timing, and he also has devastating knockout ability. To me, both guys are green. Um, they, they're not polished at all. And I would think that this is the best time for these guys to take on Ryan because right now he's just winning basically on talent. Um, certain things that he needs to correct, though, I think that they can be done in a camp or two, like getting your lead foot outside of Southpaw. Or some of the things can be gained with experience, like the footwork and the head movement. And so right now, I would favor Tank. But when you think about it, Tank was getting frustrated. Like his last two major fights that he had against Gamboa, he was getting frustrated by both of those guys. And like I said, Gamboa was basically handicapped when he had the um, the leg injury. And then little Leo Santa Cruz, he was really touching Tank up as well until Tank landed that uppercut. When you see Ryan getting those those highlight reel KOs, it's against guys around Tank's size. So he'll be – Tank will be right there where Ryan likes to aim. So that's what's going to be interesting about this matchup as well. This really could go either way because they both uh, rely on their youth and athleticism, you know, to get victories. But I, right now I'll slightly favor Tank. Just like you said, I'm I'm kind of going to base it off of what I've seen with their most recent fights. So when Tank fought Gamboa at 135, uh, like you said, Gamboa was hobbled. In the second round, he tore his Achilles. So um, although Tank did get the knockout in the 12th round, he, he fought a, I guess he was, I think he was 37 at the time, fought a 37-year-old Gamboa on one leg for 10 rounds and still took him 10 rounds to knock him out, more or less. Uh, I say 12 rounds to knock him out total. So that kind of makes me wonder, does his power really transfer up to 135? Um, now, at 130, one of my concerns was when he fought Santa Cruz most recently. Santa Cruz landed 97. He he. Santa Cruz threw 390 times. Landed 97. Javante Davis threw 227 times and landed 84 times, according to CompuBox. So Tank took a lot of shots. Now, granted, Santa Cruz's power didn't bother him, but he took a lot of shots. So my concern is if he were to fight Ryan Garcia, A, would his power transfer, and B, would Ryan Garcia throw a lot of shots and that would bother him versus, you know, what Santa Cruz was throwing that did not bother him so much. Now, um, despite, you know, my score of, of Garcia's fight against Campbell, um, he landed more in that fight. And he's 5'10 versus Tank, who is 5'5". If Davis' punches don't do anything to Garcia, I think he could be in for a long night. And And so when I look at what I saw... When Garcia got knocked down, he was caught with his right hand down, like I said. But uh, that can be improved in a camp uh, versus Tank, who's, whose issues like 
you know, he could, th- in theory, improve his defense, but he has certain genetic disadvantages, such as his height and whether or not his power transfer is over, that cannot be improved. So this might be a little bit bold, but I'm going to be honest with y'all. I think I could see Garcia getting a mid-round stoppage against Tech. So in other words, it'd be a short night for Tech, not a long night. <laughs> it'd be long at the hospital, short in the ring. Wow, Danny, that's pretty bold. Uh, I'll be happy to say that I kind of disagree with you, Danny. <laughs> but kudos to you and kudos to Ryan Garcia, especially for, you know, wanting that tank fight. Um, because I think the way I was seeing um, a Campbell lining up with those left hands, um, it, it, it's going to spell murder against, you know, Tank Davis and also uh, uh, Vasily Lomachenko, I think. It could, even though Ryan Garcia has a, a a notable size advantage over both, I think the way he that that he was allowing that to happen. I mean, especially against Tank, you can't take those type of shots uh, against him. Um, but I like that Ryan Garcia, you know, wants to run towards the fire, you know, and that, and that that's an, you know encouraging in this you know time where boxers kind of you know um, this person. I think they can beat me, so I'm not going to fight them or they don't seem as confident or want to test themselves, and Garcia wants to. And like like you said, Will, uh, th- these are issues that can get corrected, you know, uh, with the lead foot. Because really what, what, what that, you know, straight left was, was about was that he was kind of out of position. Now, also, uh, he could also have done what uh, Teofimo Lopez was doing to Lomachenko, which is uh, – you know, he don't have to necessarily put his feet on the outside, but when that southpaw comes forward, he can pivot to his, to his right a little bit and, and it squares, you know, those two guys up. He can do that also, but um, it's, it's something he would have to work on. And, and of course, um, if we, if, and I know sometimes I, I, I've, I've been critical of Ryan Garcia, not critical per se, but just, saying that he gives me these Amir Khan vibes. But fighting Tate Davis, that was solid for me. If he survives that fight, I'll be like, okay, that, all right. You know, so because even though um, technically, my, in, in my personal opinion, I think um, Devin Haney and Teofimo Lopez, in my opinion, are technically better than, you know, Tank Davis at the moment. I think Tank Davis – you know, provides a more dangerous uh, task as far as, you know, testing Ryan Garcia's chin. Um, because even though, you know, Haney and, and Teofimo Lopez, they're the same size as Garcia or around that size, they can definitely, um, you know, muscle him a little bit more. Um, those left shots that I just saw him taking from Campbell, I can't see him consist- consistently doing that uh, with Tank, unless he has he has his strong chin, which it could be the case, but it'll be it'll be awesome to see. You know, props to uh, Ryan Garcia. I think he's you know he's a star. He's he's, he's on his way to becoming a star. <laughs> he reminds me of that kid from uh, uh, Cobra Kai, Miguel. You know, <laughs> looks kind of like him. So you know he's marketable. Um, it's just that if he gets if he gets hurt pretty bad, that's it for him. So um, we'll see what happens with him. I think um, it's a couple things that see. I I think yeah. I think obviously if Tank 
catches him, then he could be it could be a short night for Ryan. But really, Ryan, see, the, here's the thing: he's green, but he it's, it's a couple advantages that Ryan is going to have. One, he's a quick learner. That guy I saw yesterday, the one I saw maybe a year, year and a half ago, he couldn't have done what he did yesterday. He wouldn't have been prepared for that. But he's a fast learner. Like, he learns really quickly. So I can just imagine him getting that experience that he got yesterday and then having Reynosa in his corner, getting tutelage from Canelo, getting tutelage from Oscar De La Hoya. He's going to learn a lot of things, and he's going to be much better in his next fight out. The other thing is a fight between him and Tank. He's going to have the advantage of being used to fighting someone Tank's size, and Tank is not used to fighting someone that's 5'10". He fought um, Santa Cruz, who was 5'7", but that's a little bit different than fighting somebody that tall. So just having to adjust to landing punches of somebody. And Ryan fights tall. That's the thing about it. If he can get a little bit more head movement or just be a little bit more of a master in terms of his angles, kind of like how Terrence Crawford, not to say that he would ever have the skills of Terrence Crawford. I'm just saying utilizing some of those angles that Terrence Crawford uses and range that Terrence Crawford uses. He's a master at it. If he can study some of that, then that'll also be something, you know, that he can have in his toolkit. But he's going to have some advantages in that fight. It's just a matter of him not being reckless at any point and getting caught with that left hand from Tank. Yeah, I do agree with you, Will, about the you know the height issue. That Ryan is you know pretty tall for uh, a lightweight. Um, but Lucas will... too, yeah, Lucas too. So that's that's the thing. that was his his the the thing you know in that matchup is like for him he had to adjust to fight somebody as tall as Luke because he has it. You haven't seen him fight anybody like that as well. Yeah, yeah that's correct. But also, I think. Tank is experienced in fighting taller fighters, not as fighters as tall as Ryan per se, but even uh, Jose Pedraza, you know, he, was, he had a, a noticeable height advantage over, you know, Tank Davis, and Tank was able to, you know, walk him down, pretty much brutalize him. Um, but I do, yeah, but you're right. I do think that Ryan Garcia's height could play uh, uh, as an advantage, but only if he, he decides to use that height and reach, which I think... Um, Yesterday, he, he he seen you know Ryan Garcia didn't have that bounce to him. He didn't really move well, you know, on his feet. And like you say, he is a quick learner. But those are things that will have to be corrected, and he can't go into a fight with Tank without correcting those things. And, and, and think he's going to get a win, you know. But it's an intriguing matchup, you know. I, I look forward to seeing it, especially if it happens next. And the interesting thing about it is. Ryan Garcia caught Tank. I said, I want to fight Tank, you know, and Tank is, you know, we don't hear Tank being as vocal about, I want to fight this guy. I want to fight that guy. I don't see that from Tank. Maybe his personality, you know, it could just be his personality. But but when you look, look at them both, Ryan Garcia seems from a verbal standpoint to want that fight more than, than Tank Davis does. And hopefully we see it. Hopefully, you know, a, a, a the zone PBC matchup, you know, <laughs> two young green lightweight putting their features on the line. You know, they both have 
growing fan bases. You know, it, it's it'll be a good night for boxing. You know, <laughs> I'm not even trying to hear all that. You know, the zone and this and that, because that fight is big enough and it's going to generate enough revenue where there no neither one of them will be in a red. Now they might want to wait until they're able to get fans in the stands or in a stadium or something like that. I can see that, but it shouldn't be any issues regarding you know, promotional companies. But we don't want to stay on the same topic. You know, we want to belabor the point and keep going on and on about, you know, the same topic. And we'll have an opportunity to address this issue in the future once they sign the dotted line. Definitely. You know, we've been talking about the lightweight, you know, uh, division for a while. And, of course, there's going to be a lot more to come in the future with these, you know, lightweight matchups that could potentially happen or will happen, you know. But when you there's another fighter that was in that matchup yesterday, Luke Campbell. Um, right now, uh, Luke Campbell is a 20 and four. He just had that you know knockout with uh, with Ryan Garcia. Um, so where, where you guys see uh, Luke Campbell going from here? So like you said, he's 20 and four. Uh, besides Garcia, his most recent losses came to Lomachenko. And uh, Jorge Linares. Uh, he's 33 years old. And so, you know, unfortunately, if you're an aging fighter, lightweight is really not the division you want to be in. Um, he's currently ranked sixth in the division by ESPN. Um, it's tough. I mean, he can still get some, some good fights. Um, like, he could maybe serve as a good test against somebody like a Fortuna, and um, maybe he wins that. Maybe he finds his way to eventually becoming someone's mandatory and competes for another belt. But I don't know if I see him necessarily winning a world title at this point in his career, especially when you look at the the rising crop in that division. Yeah, I have to agree with you, uh, Danny. Uh, I think he, he he will even before the fight he was pretty much a, a gatekeeper. I think, but for me, I think the way he lost uh, told more. It wasn't the way he fought because he fought, you know, well. You know, he, he put Ryan Garcia on the floor. But, you know, because he was stopped, I think had he finished that fight, uh, especially if it, if it would have stayed close, I think it would put him more on the status of another, you know, fighter who was a gold medalist, um, has a, a record similar to his, actually, you know, and but hasn't won a title. Actually, just won a title like this year. And that other fighter was Eugenius uh, Ugas. I think had Cavill stayed on his feet and provided a tougher, you know, and proved to be uh, tough enough to, to make it to the end, he would have been on that level of Ugas where he could still be that tough challenge. Uh, so I I do think that was a, a defeat that puts him down a little a notch. You know, and it makes them kind of like they're going to use them as, you know, fodder for the more fodder for the upcoming guys when if they don't want to fight each other, they'll, they'll fight a Luke Campbell. Yeah. So where does Luke go from here? Um, I mean, he has a pretty, it's a really good amateur career, and he has a, I would say, a pretty solid, pretty sound professional career. But at this point, He's 33, as you stated. I don't like his chance against any of the top welterweights, especially against Lopez or Tank. 
Um, I just don't think, and it's going to sound kind of harsh, I just don't think he has it, you know. I think guys like him, Callum Smith, you know, it's just a, a gear that they can't get to. Because even when he dropped Garcia yesterday, he just didn't have that next gear to be able to finish the job. Like, he's a really solid fighter, you know, that you can face and, he just always going to seem to come up short when it comes to in his big matches, like you said, against Linares, Lomachenko, and even earlier in his career when he lost against Ivan Mendy, you know, and all of those losses, every loss that he's had, he's been knocked down. I don't see it getting any better for him. And Danny, you mentioned him taking on someone to put himself in a position to be a mandatory. By the time he would do that, he'd probably be about 35. So some of his, skills may even erode a little bit more and those guys are only going to get better at the top i think his best chance to like kind of look good maybe against haney um but i still don't like that matchup uh for ryan i'm not ryan for luke campbell i think at this point you know get you one of those domestic championship European titles or something like that, fight some of those up and coming European guys and then just call it a day, you know? So, but, you know, he's had a pretty, pretty good career and he's, he has the heart of a lion, you know, he did what he could yesterday, but it just wasn't enough against King Rock. So moving on to our next topic, it was another fight, a pretty good fight that was on the undercard. Uh, what did you guys think of the uh, Renee Alvarado Roger Gutierrez co-feature yesterday. Yeah, this was a pretty good fight, uh, as you said. You know, it was a a lot of back and forth action. Even though Gutierrez uh, got the the better of it, um, I, I think I moved closer to uh, Danny's score. Uh, they did on our last ones at the bar Twitter page. I, I fall more alive with that score, or even maybe a tad wider. I didn't, I didn't think it was as close uh, the way they had it, where uh, if you take away the knockdowns that Gutierrez had, um, Alvarez would have won that fight, which is interesting. And I don't think that when you look at it from a numerical standpoint, in a totality, that Alvarez was winning that fight. You know, Yeah, he was in the fight without the knockdowns and stuff like that. He was providing a challenge. He was providing uh, – uh, some some a little bit of resistance. He didn't want to go, you know. So, um, and and you know what? It's a good win for Gutierrez, particularly because he he just beat the guy who knocked him out. You know, <laughs> in a, you know in a fight of the year uh, candidate was a couple years ago to, in 2017. So this is their second fight, and Gutierrez, you know, he took it to him. He took it to Alvarez, uh, dropped him uh, three times in the fight. Uh, actually, I thought that that Alvarez was was about to get stopped in the third round, you know, after the after the uh, second, you know, knockdown. But he recovered very, very well. Um, he fought well until the end, and and he stood up to to Gutierrez, and you know, in the in the the lines then where he was in fear of being stopped. And and I, I thought it was a great, you know, great scrap. Uh, Props to Gutierrez uh, for winning that fight. I was in and out, you know, checking this fight out. Every time that I was watching it, it appeared that Alvarado was winning. I thought that Gutierrez 
he seemed to be more like heavier handed, if you will. And when he would let his punches go, that he was having more effect on uh, Alvarado. But Alvarado just had a couple moments where he got caught slipping. And when he would get caught slipping, Gutierrez would hit him with something solid and put him down. So, But outside of those two nightmares, I thought Alvarado was winning the fight. But again, I could be wrong because I didn't see all of the fight. Um, but it was a really good scrap. The other thing that I noticed at the end was I felt so bad for Alvarado after they gave the decision. You can just see the look on his face and how his shoulders dropped that, you know, he was put, putting it all <clears throat> into that fight. Hopefully, you know, since that was a rematch, that they'll have a third bout, you know, really to settle the score because that really was an excellent bout. Yeah, like Ravel said, um, it was a rematch for 2017 where Alvarado won by knockout. Uh, Gutierrez was 22 at the time. And, you know, this time around, he was fighting for something special. He was fighting in honor of his mom, who had recently died of cancer. And so he felt like he had to bring that belt back to his own, his home country. He felt like he owed that to her. Um, so definitely some added motivation there. That said, like you guys said, uh, Alvarado was knocked down twice in the third, once in the twelfth. Gutierrez was by far the bigger guy. And his punches did more damage when he landed. But after after those two knockdowns in the third, I felt like his punches came became predictable. Uh, I, I felt like Alvarado did a good job of timing him. I think he knocked him down with a right uppercut, and he kept trying to use that same that same punch to knock him down. And, and Alvarado was timing it, and he was uh, facilitating his own punches. And so um, the judges had scored it. 113-112 in favor of Gutierrez. I personally favored it, uh, scored it 114-111 in favor of Alvarado. I felt like he controlled most of those rounds outside of those flurries that Gutierrez was throwing. It just really, those, those, those times he got caught slipping, that made a difference in the fight, literally. Moving forward, coming up on March 13th, uh, we have a fight that a lot of fight fans have been waiting to see. I personally think it has fight of the year potential. But you have Roman Chapatito Gonzalez versus Juan Francisco Estrada. The the long awaited rematch. All right, so Francisco Estrada versus Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez two. Slated for March thirteenth. And so Francisco Estrada is forty one and three with twenty nine KOs. He's thirty years old, five four, sixty six inch reach. Gonzalez is thirty three years old, five three, fifty two and 41 knockouts has a 64 inch reach that first fight was an excellent tactical war between two highly skilled tacticians and as you stated that fight was fought in 2012. i think that the strata victory when i look at chocolatito resume i think that that's the best victory that he has on his resume since then gonzalez suffered two defeats against sora rumbasai but sora rumbasai is totally different style-wise than Francisco Estrada. Rumbasai is rough and tough. It hits like a hammer. Estrada's style is less hazardous, but he does bring a different set of skills. I think that Estrada is one of the best counter punches in boxing. He's similar to me to like a Juan Manuel Marquez type fighter. Now, 
this victory, well, whoever gets this victory, it's going to be a huge victory for both. But I think probably a little bit more for Chocolatito's legacy um, to be able to come back and recapture glory at the tail end of his career. And I think it's huge because Estrada, he, he's been um, wanting this rematch for a long time. He always wanted to avenge this rematch. I think if I had to predict right now, and it could change leading up to the fight, because I have to look at that Carlos Quadras fight again when Estrada was dropped in that third round. Um, so I'll revisit that, and then I'll look at Chocolatito's last fight as well. But right now I have Estrada winning. And I think this is going to solidify his claim definitely as the best 115-pound fighter in the world. And then also, I don't think without a doubt, it'll legitimize his position as one of the top pound-for-pound fighters in the world. The other thing you got to consider is I think that Estrada, with a victory over Gonzalez in a rematch, you might have to you know start putting him in talks as being one of the top Mexican fighters of all time. So, but, you know, as I think about this fight, both of these guys, their styles, they blend real well. You know, Chocolatito, he likes the pressure. And then Estrada has very good balance. And he's, you know, he's excellent with his counter. So, again, I would lean towards Estrada getting a victory in a rematch in another classic. You did a great job of breaking that down. I don't have too much more to add to that. A lot of that is what I was going to say anyway. Um but what is worth interesting to note is uh, they both started their career, I believe, at 108, and that's where their first fight was in 2012. Um, Chocolatito has not been as dominant since moving up to 115. Um, he has some solid wins at, at 115, but he has not been as dominant. Um, I do think people wrote him off too soon after his two losses versus Um But at this weight class, at this point in their careers, um, I do give a stride of the edge, and so I could see him winning that unification fight. Yeah, I predict that this fight will be another uh, fight of the year candidate. Uh, this one is going to be a brutal one because I believe it's for the marbles. I think both guys, uh, as y'all both said, they have a lot going on the line. This is for, you know, legacy rights, you know. Um, we've seen Estrada move up, you know, in the pound-for-pound rankings, and he's he's definitely gotten better and improved uh, more so since that first fight. I mean, even though their, regular, their you know, resume records were similar at the time that the, the first fight, I think Roman Gonzalez was more established as a champion, and uh, Estrada was more green, uh, had a little bit more to learn, and it took him a little longer to hit that stride. Uh, but I think that will play out um, in this fight like it's been playing out that Estrada is more so hitting his stride, uh, even though they, all, they both have been in some wars. I think Gonzalez, uh, he's been in more wars, and, ha- and I think the 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 rest did him well and moving up in weight. You know, it helped him a little bit where he has a little bit more. He's shown that he's had a little bit more left in the tank. Not more than Estrada, but he has more left in the tank than uh, what we saw previously. I mean, when he lost to uh, to Remisai, um a lot of people were saying that his career was over, and he showed it. You know, I'm I'm a, uh, I'm a great fighter. It's not over. You know, I still have fight left in me. Um, 
So this will be an interesting fight. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. But I think that Estrada has a little bit more left in the tank uh, career-wise. I think both want it. I think Gonzalez is going to put it all on line because he wants these legacy rights. But I think it's not going to be enough. And I think Estrada uh, uh, will win this this fight. Yeah, one of the biggest things that Estrada is going to have going into that fight is that Chocolatito always going to be three years older than him, you know. So mm-hmm. it'll be a little bit uh, – Probably still have a little bit more left in the tank. Anything else you guys want to, you know, talk about before we end this up? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And for Gonzalez, like like you say, he's thirty three, and then in flyweight terms, that's 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 an old man right there. <laughs> they're both kind of you know old for they're older for flyweights, you know, for you know super flyweights, the weight class they're in. But Roman Gonzalez, the career that he's had and the age that he is is almost ancient in this. You know, it's pretty good that he's still rolling, but I think that's going to come and play in this fight. But that's pretty much it. So basically, Sandy, for that weight class, he George Burns right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, 33 is, 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 unless you, I mean, maybe he's special, unless you prove that you're special in some type of way. I think 33 is getting up there. Because uh, a lot of those guys aren't, it's interesting when you look at guys who are flyweight, because a lot of those guys aren't really like that size. They're, they're draining all the way down to make that weight. And I think that's, that takes a lot out of you when you're, especially that low, you're draining away that low. That's that's why I always say that, you know, for fighters, a rule of thumb to me is best to move up as opposed to move down as you get older, because it takes so much out of you to, you know, drain down to weight class. But I think Chocolatito is pretty comfortable at that weight that he's fighting at. And so that shouldn't be a factor for him. It's just more so the wear and tear that he has on his body throughout all of those wars that he's had. But it should be a good scrap. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap up? You would probably say it if I didn't will, but everybody listening, be sure to uh, to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Last one's at the bar. Also, feel free to follow us on our Twitter page. Last one's at the bar. Only one T because we ran out of space. Oh, no, nah, we, we good to I go got. then. You got anything, Bill? No, nah, Danny said it best, man. Follow us on all the, the, the apps. All right. Enjoy your Monday. We out. Peace. Peace.